Hello and welcome back to the In Squash Podcast, episode 282. Uh, we took a, an extended summer break, the longest break uh, we've had since starting the pod about five years back. I'm your host, by the way, Jerry Gibson, and perhaps uh, it was a year or two before uh, this podcast kicked off. Uh, that's when uh, the Facebook squash community, uh, squash stories kicked off as well. And it's the man, the myth, the legend behind it all, Jamie Maddox, who joins me on the uh, the first podcast of this season, I guess you could say. And I don't think there are, are many out there who can really, uh, really match Jamie in terms of the passion he puts into the game uh, through uh, what he does with, with squash stories. So I'm really, uh, I really appreciate his time today. And I always enjoy uh, chatting and catching up with him uh, when we can. So uh, what we do, uh, what we're going to do on the pod today, uh, we're going to talk plenty, of course, about the squash community of uh, squash stories, how it's evolved since its inception. And, and uh, I really want to know how we navigate uh, the unpredictable uh, waters that come with uh, being the CEO of such a platform. And uh, then, of course, we talk plenty about the PSA team, uh, scene, and uh, that, of course, brings with it uh, the Mustafa Saul saga, which, uh, uh, as we all know, Jamie has strong opinions uh, on that, as well, I think, just about everyone who follows the pro, ga- pro game does. And uh, that gets fleshed out uh, to uh, quite a degree on squash stories, and uh, that's kind of what I was getting at in terms of the, the navigation of uh, the unpredictability of squash stories and uh, we talk about the assault saga and also the men's game and how things are shaping up there and we also uh, to end things uh, we pay a mini tribute to a mutual squash hero of ours Kamar Zaman uh, so uh, that's what we have to look forward to today on episode 282 but before we get into that open squash I'm so happy to say is back again this season as our sponsor open squash the New York-based non profit dedicated to bringing thousands of new people into the sport by making it more accessible and more affordable to everyone and they have some exciting news about a special event for the open squash community just ahead of the u.s open the open squash psa pros ali frag world number one gina kennedy outstanding uh, uh world number seven on the ladies tour victor quen who's currently number uh, 11 in the world and he's uh, gonna be gunning for a good showing there at the U.S. Open. They'll all be at the Open Squash Bryant Park on Thursday, October 5th from 5 p.m. Uh, They will spend some time supporting the Junior Squash Academy there and their mission uh, at the Junior Squash Academy, which is to bring squash to the widest audience possible via their Junior Scholarship Fund. Firstly, they will meet, play, and inspire juniors from 5 to 6 Following this at 6 p.m., they'll have a very special opportunity. Uh, There'll be a special opportunity for you and a junior that you bring along with you to take a game off one of the legends, one of those legends in uh, the Play the Pro, Play a Pro event. There are limited slots available with each pro, so Open Squash will be taking blind bids to determine who will get one of these prize spots to visit. Uh, to make a bid, visit the Open Squash website at www.opensquash.org. Bidding starts at $500. The deadline to bid is Tuesday, 
October 3rd, you, th this doesn't leave you much time. It's 7 p.m. So by the time this episode drops, you'll still have time to make that bid uh, Tuesday at 7 p.m. You'll have a few hours with any luck if I get this out in time. So And, and you listen. But uh, I'm sorry if it doesn't get out in time for those of you who are listening uh, a little bit later. But anyways, they will notify the winners immediately, immediately after. So if you get that bid in before 7 p.m., Tuesday, October 3rd. That would be great. Check it all out at www.opensquash.org. And now it's time to check out episode 282 with Squash Stories, Jamie Maddox. All right. Well, like I was saying, uh, Jamie, it's fantastic uh, to have you uh, on the pod. And uh, like I was saying as well, uh, it's the first one since I took a break uh, at the beginning of the summer. And uh, what a great way to kick it off with the man behind Squash Stories, where, uh, you know, we have so much fun with squash and great discussion good fun good crack as you guys like to say across the pond so uh <laughs> how are how are things going uh with me personally yeah yeah good um i don't think i'm going to be playing many competitive matches anymore because my knees have now sort of telling me that i can't do but um my son's suddenly become very interested and he's playing at a good level so that's maybe that's the the way it was meant to be i think yeah i know what you mean uh, i mean i'm still playing at a reasonably decent level uh you know relative to you know to my standard uh, uh but uh you know it, i'm not bounding around the court and not uh, no. you know getting up and down like we used to be able to and that that's frustrating isn't it when you know you can play a lot better absolutely i mean obviously movement and getting around the court's a huge huge part of squash and even if you you still hit, I'm still hitting the ball really well. But um, mm. if you can't reach it, then obviously that seriously compromises your level. So, but it's just uncomfortable to play. It's not. It's not. It's not. I don't mind being at a bit of a disadvantage, but it's huge now. So, I think my place now is to give special sessions to selected people and um, and just keep following squash and just keep doing what I'm doing with squash stories. Yeah, well, squash stories is absolutely it's indispensable now. I mean, uh, you know. Uh, we'll get into that. we'll get into uh, everything that comes along with that. But uh, if you don't mind, Jamie, I mean, I'm sure everyone listening to this knows of squash stories. But in case uh, there are a few who don't, uh, if you don't mind, just briefly, let's take a look back at where it was born from squash stories and to where it is today. Because where it is today, I mean, uh, people, everyone's referencing it. Uh, when I whenever I have any. Uh, Alex Goff, for example, uh, he'll he'll reference it. Uh, uh, you know the 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 uh, Rod Martin, Rod Owen, people like that. They're referencing squash stories for better or for worse. But uh, you know, looking back at where it began and and to where it is today, uh, take us through that uh, that period, if you don't mind. Um, <clears throat> okay, so when I realised you could you could actually make your own group on Facebook, I just felt that I had a few stories to tell about my time playing squash, not at the top level, but, you know, as a, as a player who kind of was fairly much self-taught and got to a good level quite quickly. And all the stories that go with it, all the, all the awkward people you play, all the sort of scenarios that play out. And I just wanted to share it with, with some like-minded squash people. And I literally just thought that it would, it would be, you know, maybe a couple of hundred people, but, I think at that time, Jerry, there was no, if you look around now, there are quite a lot of squash groups uh, about on Facebook and other uh, platforms, which is great. But at the time, there was absolutely nothing. And I happened to have 
some old magazines, old squash magazines left. Um, I chucked most of them away, unfortunately, but I've since I've since made up for that. But uh, at the time, I had a few, and the response to talking about some of the some of the players from you know from the sort of seventies and eighties was, you know, you could see straight away that there was a demand for it and interest, and so it kind of snowballed from there. And then, you know, you get a few well-known people on board, and it just kind of it just kind of went from there. Yeah. Yeah, and now I mean, now you've got the you know you've got a cast of characters on there, and you've you've got uh, you know celebrities in the game, and you have celebrities on uh, squash stories. I mean, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the uh, the squash stories uh, member of the year, Essen, uh, uh, and I forget his full name, but he's on the podcast. Essen Zafaruan. Yeah, yes, Essen is not the current member of the year, Jerry. There you go. Okay, well, uh, I missed that. Time just time flies by. Uh, I can't believe it's the it's the most important event of the squash stories year. But yeah, he was he was the holder three years a, a record three years on the run. He'd won but it. Young three on Oliver, the young yeah. Oliver just came came and picked him at the post last year. Yeah, yeah, no, Oliver definitely well deserving, and he's a guy. Uh, I mean, you mentioned uh, how squash stories began with you know, without there being much of a you know anything similar to that in terms of a squash community well, that's basically uh the way this podcast began i mean there might have been one other podcast that didn't put anything out, out. yeah and uh now there seem to be quite a few uh out there but uh i, I think you'll I- always be the man jerry in, in you know <laughs> as far as i'm concerned <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Uh, but, uh, you know, let's, uh, you know, yeah, Oliver definitely, as we were saying, well-deserved. And, and uh, he's usually got some really good content, uh, you know, some serious stuff, some uh, tongue-in-cheek stuff. And he, I think he's a decent level uh, player himself, isn't he? He certainly is, yeah. I think he's, I don't think he's one of the very top people for his age in this country, but he's not far off. He certainly gives them a hard time. So he's, yeah, he's, uh, he's he know he knows how to play and he knows what he's talking about and I think it's really it's kind of unusual because most most people of that age obviously he he does as well they want to be as good as they can be as a player but he's already got his eye you know on on being a top coach and the way he 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 under, his his kind of passion for understanding the technicalities is is quite rare for somebody his age so you know he gets a lot of information off the page which is great and he's but he's building up his kind of his knowledge bank and I think he I think I would look out for him in the future as a coach definitely yeah definitely and uh, he you know I didn't realize he was a junior until a little bit later on he comes off it you know I like his he has a nice dry sense of humor it seems yeah he does yeah um I think he I don't know how old he is now but he's he's kind of I think he's about 17 something like he's a very very bright guy and uh, yeah he's got a he's got a good sense of humor and he's 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 slotted into you called it the cast of characters, but he's slotted into it. He's got his own place. It's a really nice blend. And um, I think he's happy at the moment, but you know, it's going to be all on uh, the member of the year this year between I think him and him and Essan. And, you know, we'll just have to see if he can, if he can come up with the goods. He's got some time to go now, but I've noticed that um, Ishan or Essan is, is really up in his game now. Lots of posts, lots of info. So I think there's a, there's a kind of silent fight going on in the run up to this year's, member of the year and it's you know i'm getting excited already jerry to be honest absolutely maybe i'll do maybe i'll have something like uh, you know they can come on and 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 sort of uh sort of promote themselves here on the podcast (laughs) now that would be really really excellent yeah 
Yeah, one, yeah, one person that. I think uh, maybe you've overlooked or perhaps you haven't, uh, you just didn't mention his name, is uh, Francis Cherian. I mean, he he's a guy, he comes, uh, he, he, he posts <laughs> on on practically <laughs> every post, he'll po- put a little picture or something, right? I think Jerry, he, Jerry, he, I could he's be long old. overdue member of the year. Yes. <laughs> well, I agree. He's, he's definitely a contender. I mean, Francis, no matter, it could be, Five o'clock in the morning, I could be I could be up doing something. If I put a post on within seconds, Francis has posted a gift. So, any time, any day, any time of the year, a gift comes within seconds, and it's always you know in line with what the post is. I mean, I don't know how he does it to be honest. Yeah, I I just, I'm looking he, at one now from Peter. Peter Rhodes just posted one. Uh, it was about six hours ago. His post was. Uh, Apple News or something used to be a football pitch or Wales as the uh, com- comparator. <laughs> now the Times has invoked the squash court. Go Times! And then Francis posted the picture. The time to probe Uranus is now. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. If, I don't know if he gets them from somewhere or he's got the ability to actually make them up mm. because he does seem to find one for it, even even the most bizarre things. But um. I didn't think he was real for a long time. I thought it's some kind of bot that Facebook has, has cursed squash stories with. But then yeah. I started to realize that he's actually, I think his daughter's a really good standard junior player. Um, and I know John Sharp has, has met Francis a few times now. And he's, yeah, he, he's at most of the, the, the top junior tournaments. So sorry about that, Francis, for thinking you were a bot. But um, yeah, all good. Another legend has been born on squash stories. Yeah, yeah, uh, he's my vote for uh, my early vote for the uh, the member of the year, Jamie. Jerry, it's it's not a, it's not a voting one. It's just one that I decide. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you know, if I if I can make a pitch, yeah, first, I just did. Okay, right, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, uh, noted, noted. Okay, cool. But uh, just in terms you, you uh, in terms of squash stories, uh, now I know you've been and you and I have talked about this in the past. Uh, uh together uh it's it's it can get a bit nasty at times and nasty towards you but you sort of let it let it slide a bit but you know uh and also a lot of it has to do with uh mustafa the mustafa assault situation which we can talk about a bit later but just in terms of navigating all of the sort of nastiness which comes with uh, uh running a social media site or even a podcast uh, i i've had to deal with it a little bit here and there but uh, how do you manage it and i know uh you know you've you've had to consider banning uh, certain people here and there but uh over the years um uh, how has that come to uh, to play for you and how have you you had okay, to so, dealt with it yeah well i think if you whoever you are if you're going to put your head above the parapet and you've got opinions and particularly if you want to draw people into conversations you know you have to kind of we don't have to but I tend to sensationalize things a little bit to just to bring people in um if you're going to do that then you are always going to get shot at in some way and you're always going to have disagreements with people etc but I suppose my rule of thumb is that the main thing is squash stories the forum itself is just has just gone from strength to strength all the people that i respect and want on there are on there the people that i don't have, have either gone or are about to go so it's kind of working itself out if you see what i mean and it and it's it, it, it is it's representing everything that i think is 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 right so you know in short really it just goes with the territory that there's going to be some some problems but yeah um <clears throat> 
I, ha I have to ban people from time to time. But again, I just use my discretion, Jerry. And sometimes I might get it wrong. You know, I might have banned people who, you know, who I shouldn't have done. But I'm I'm only human, and you make mistakes. But I don't think I make many mistakes in that. You know, when it comes to things like that. So yeah, it's um, it's good, and it's kind of working. But it does, you know, obviously. Like I've already said, it does get sometimes get a little bit fractious, but it's usually when there's a big tournament on, so yeah. it gets quite heated because it's in, you know we're all we've, we're all emotional, we've all got opinions, and that happens. But some people definitely overstep the mark, and that's when I have to I have to act. Yeah, I get. I mean, it's a fine line, isn't it? But I think it, I mean I know you'll agree with me when I say you, you you want to have a bit of debate on there. You want to have a bit of sure, yeah, a bit, a bit of uh, sort of argy bargy, as you guys like to say uh, on the on the uh, on the squash stories. And then and then usually, you know, when cooler heads prevail and the dust settles, something comes from that. We all learn whatever whatever side you're on. And Absolutely, that's that's usually what happens. Um, you know, it could start off, you know, a, a slightly difficult. And then before you know it, some sane voices come in and, and, and some unsane voices as well. And But the mixing pot usually delivers an awful lot of good, good stuff by the end of it. And that's I think that's important, um, you know, to um, to keep it to, you know, because it does then represent something. It's It's been worthwhile, even if it's been like a war zone halfway through. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's quite good. And I do preserve all those threads as well i don't delete them unless there's unless some facebook sometimes do if if there's comments go on that i'm not aware of that are abusive but generally speaking we you know i like to keep it as it is whether whether i'm winning arguments or not yeah john i mean i haven't seen anything really terribly too terribly egregious sometimes you know a few there are a few comments that come off as extreme you know like sort of hatred towards someone or mm. something and and you know that that's a bit off-putting but overall I think once the dust has settled and not within all of the uh, the threads that are on the squash stories, generally it, it you know basically it comes to something where we we've learned a little bit about the way everybody thinks about the game. Absolutely, and I mean, I'm not. It, it's not a yardstick that you should use because you should you know you should just you know look at it as it is. But if you look at any other sports forums, particularly the football ones, you know. They're just on another level altogether. You look at squash stories, and we can be very, very proud of, of the way we keep it. Generally speaking, it's very good. But um, you know, some of them, some of some of you know, some of the football forums are just absolutely awful. You know, so yeah. quite happy, really. Yeah. Well, uh, let's... Jerry, Jerry, I just remembered something that I was going to say. Yeah. That sure. I think, I think it represents. If you were at a squash club, all the squash clubs that I've been a member of, where you're watching matches, you're challenging people on ladders and leagues, I think squash stories represents that spirit. It's not been sanitised in any way. It's It represents the spirit of an average squash player or a top squash player who, the good and the bad, not just, um, you know, not just sort of cherry, cut, you know, sugar coating everything. It, it, and, you know, while it stays like that, I'm pretty happy. Yeah, I, I totally get what you mean. It's sort of a representation of what an, an average squash yeah. club or club league or club you know membership might look like. You have uh, people from across the board, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. We've got, I think, I mean, you know, I'm not very, you know, it, it, everybody's got something to offer. I, I know that there are a lot of people in the game who are very elitist 
And, you know, I noticed that straight away when I first started playing. And But, you know, the people that, that come on Squash Stories, most of them, most of the regular contributors, whoever they are, they could be top players or coaches, they're, they're all very down to earth. And like I say, the, 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 you know, the idiots get squeezed out in the end. And that's usually, you know, a natural, natural filter, really, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, well, one of the uh, the big uh, uh, actually, yeah, one of the biggest controversies on, on squash stories that create that generates a lot of this stuff is the Mustafa Saul uh, saga, which uh, you know I want to get into a little bit with you. Uh, as we all know, he was banned for twelve weeks, uh, racket abuse, unsportsmanlike conduct, physical abuse, dangerous play. Those were the uh, the charges laid against him, and I think it was a, I think five thousand euro fine or something like that, along with it. So he missed Qatar. He's going to miss uh, the U.S. Open, uh, which is, to me, I, I think a, a bit uh, excessive. Just in terms of uh, all of those, uh, you know, uh, what he was uh, uh, suspended for, what I just laid out. What are your thoughts overall uh, about all of that? Wow, big question, Jerry, and one that obviously I've thought a lot about. Um, what? <laughs> Suppose, obviously, everybody in squash wants to see him playing as many tournaments as possible. Apart from, obviously, it must be quite convenient for some of the other players because obviously they can progress more in the tournaments, earn more money, and get higher rankings. So, not, none of them are going to particularly support him. Apart from, you know, Mohammed has come out and supported him. Um, a couple of other players have, have shown a bit of concern. But generally speaking, across the board, it's been. It's not. It's been very, very ugly. It's broken my heart in some ways to see the sport do what it's done, and obviously I've got my own um, opinions about it um, why why it's happened. But you only have to look at the fact that the um, punishments are, are so out of proportion with anything he's done compared to you know they've not even looked at the other players and people barging him over and things like that. That's not even you know not even considered. And so as far as him not playing these tournaments are concerned. It really devalues them, in my in my opinion. And um, I've found it quite difficult to watch a couple a couple of the last ones without him playing because you're always sort of thinking to yourself, you know, would he have beaten the the, the winner of that? And and we've been we've been cheated out of some fabulous matches, really. So that's kind of where I stand on it. And obviously, you know, we we, we don't have to wait long for him to come back. But I do fear. But um, he's going to come back, and the same thing's going to happen again. Because looking yeah. at the new directive, etc., it looks like they've been specifically designed to, to to get him and no one else. So I think you know if he starts to rack some points up and he and he's doing quite well, I think we'll see him taken out again. But anyway, we'll have to see how it goes. I don't want to I don't want to be a doom monger, but uh, I think that's probably what's going to happen. Well, I mean, uh, just for me personally. Um... There, there are some elements to to what he's been suspended for that I think you know he needs to work on. But definitely, sure, yeah, yeah, definitely the twelve week suspension. If they're going to suspend him, they need to step up and start uh, doing the same for other players. And we haven't seen that yet. And that that's something that uh, and we've seen and we've been witness to quite a bit. I mean, uh, I mean, we could just say we could say racket abuse uh, that happens all the time. Unsportsmanlike conduct, especially in terms of. Uh, you know, uh, uh, going going at it with officials, and uh, especially way beyond anything that uh, that Mustafa has 
has uh, has done on court. Uh, I mean that that we see in in just about every tournament. And the uh, you know the dangerous play one, I you know I can see that, and maybe the unsportsmanlike conduct, I can see that with the uh, the Mezzan issue, the Mezzan uh, match. But uh, overall, I mean, we see a lot uh, of this from other players, and we don't hear of any uh, suspensions or anything along those lines, really, do we? No, I mean you've you've just basically summed it up. It's pretty obvious. It's all there on in the archives to, for people to to watch. You know the way it, he's been targeted, and um, like you say, n- the other players have have not been pulled up on a lot of those things. And you know, for for I would say it was probably over nearly two years. He didn't put a foot wrong at all. He was sporting even in the face of people play acting and trying to get him trying to get him um, cautioned, etc. And he, he he kept it all together. Won some tournaments even even against the most appalling one sided marking. And he just kept it all together, and eventually, I think he, you know, he got he got banned and came back, and he probably had a bit too much adrenaline going around his body, and he he did those things that were shown on the video. I don't think they were particular. I think they were massively blown out of proportion, but he did do those things, and I suppose in that respect, we have to, you know, he has to be dealt with. But yeah, they, I mean, the, the one, uh, sorry, Jim, the one, the one that you know, I can't get to, you know, I can't let him let it go is the the Mezzan one where he grabbed his his arm. Yeah, yeah, you know that one was clear as day, and and perhaps even the the Joel Macon racket. Uh, I know it was accidental, but still, uh, you know, he's got to figure out how not to, you know, let that happen. It was actually, I don't, you know, obviously he did not mean to hit him in the head. Uh, if, if anyone says that he tried to hit him in the head with his racket, the, the, I mean, that's absurd to me. Yeah, pl- plenty plenty have done though, Jerry, obviously, because it feeds into the, uh, you know, the full the full thing against him. But um, yeah, I'm... I'm you know, you could watch any of those those three incidents and you could build an argument both ways. But I think, you know, I'm not going to try and defend him for doing, you know, but if you've been wound up to the point that he has where more or less all the other players have banded against you, they blank you, they, you know, they're all deliberately trying to get you in trouble from the very, very first point. The markers are all buying into it as well. How how long can a 21-year-old kid... How long's he gonna gonna go for before he grabs a racket or pushes somebody or does something? I can't believe he he's managed to keep it together as much as he has. I mean, watching what's gone on and then seeing everybody explode because he grabs someone's arm for a split second, he's just well, it's laughable, Jerry. It's I mean, it's you know bizarre. It's been yeah. an, a, a, a the whole thing is just he's gonna go down in history as um, one of the saddest situations that squash has ever seen I'm, I'm convinced of that and i think when you know when it's you know when all said and done in a, in a year or two's time we're going to look back and a lot of people are going to be pretty ashamed of of what they've done and the way it's all played out i really do think that but we'll see yeah we'll see definitely it's just uh you know he he's definitely hopefully has cleaned up a few parts of his game and, yeah. uh, you know, but I know what you mean. Uh, I feel like whenever I watch him play, uh, I feel like I'm walking on eggshells because I, I support, I hope he he's doing well, but yeah. he must, he must feel that way as well. Imagine going out on court and knowing that, you know, sort of one wrong move or one wrong sort of misstep or, you know, yeah. maybe, you know, if you, if you one sort of a inadvertent interference could result in, yeah another suspension imagine having that uh, how can you play how can you play a, a physical game like squash a close contact game with all that 
going through your mind, knowing that there's a camera on you and knowing your opponent's probably not going get, to get penalised. I mean, it, it, they're making it very, very difficult for him. Uh, but you know what, Jerry? He's that good that he could just just come through. But um, it's, uh, you know, it's not nice to see. And when he comes back, like you say, it's going to be really fascinating to see to see what happens. But, you know, like I say, I think if he starts to push the top few again and rack up enough points, I think you'll see you'll see him taken out again. I do believe that. Well, he's number four in the world right now, I believe. He's still he's still within striking distance. Uh, I know yeah. Ali, Ali's got a bit of a grip on it, and Diego's not too far behind. But it's a, it seems ironic to me. I mean, all the hatred. There's a lot of hatred out there toward them, towards Mustafa, but there's also a lot. He has a lot of supporters uh, as well. But yeah. it's ironic to me that uh, you know two of the classiest guys out there are, are support have reached out uh, to to work with them. I mean, Mohamed El Kai, uh, he he's as classy as they come in terms of you know coaches. We haven't really. He's not as well known as some, but he's just so mild mannered. And, and the interview I had with him on this podcast really spelled out exactly where he's coming from. And and he his heart and his uh, approach is in the right place. And then you've got a guy like James Wilstrip. I mean, I just got a message from uh, from the uh, Saul camp a little while ago, and that's where Mustafa is right now. He's working with James yeah. Wilstrip. The, the I mean, he is the uh, you know the poster boy, I guess, if you will, for. Uh, you know, the classy players and and the the nice guys and the guys who, uh, you know, you look up to in terms of role models. I mean, they've reached out to Mustafa to try to help him. What does that say? Well, yeah, I mean, there's, there's obviously other, you know, everybody's got, it's not just, it's not just that they want to help him. Obviously, there's there's got to be something in it for them. But I definitely think that um, it's a, it's a good thing. It can't not be really, if he can, if he can learn, I mean, James was is a big guy and will will have worked out how to move, you know, to avoid um, you know, being penalized, etc. I'm sure he can I'm sure they can work some it's not that difficult to really work out what he needs to do. I mean, he needs to step back more from the mid those middle positions. He's he's he he like a lot of young players, we've got this thing in the game, you know, you hit the ball and you go to the tee. Well, you don't go to the tee a lot of the times. You drop back and move in a kind of U shape around so that your opponent can come across. Now, I, th- I do think it's not just Mustafa, but a lot of the, a lot of the girls, I've seen the, some of the, some of the, the lady, the younger lady players doing this and they, they kind of move forward straight away and they should just drop back a little bit. Another one is if someone plays a cross court from the front and you volley it from the tee to length, you can't just, you know, dematerialize on the tee. Um, you've got to step back. You've got to hit that ball and you're almost stepping back as you hit it so that the player coming from the front has got no reason to be able to get a let off you. And Mustafa's quality is so, so good that he actually will benefit from giving a massively clear path to his opponent. So if he works on that, the quality of his shot is is so good usually that, you know, what he wouldn't, he doesn't want players to have any excuse to 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 um, ask for a let or, or initiate contact. It's, you know... So I think that yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited to see what 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 the changes will be and wh- whether you know it will make a difference. But I also think Jerry that you know just being associated with somebody like James Wilstrop, being with his contacts and and the sort of you know crowd of people that he's he's normally with, I think they'll realise Mustafa's a, a a nice guy. He's only human. They'll see that this whole witch hunt is just an absurd, disgusting scenario that has just become you know. 
just becomes blown out of proportion and they'll realize that you know this guy is a he's a human being and he, and and you know and everything will will start slotting into place after that um, but we'll see you know I'm looking forward to seeing seeing what the differences are to be honest yeah it should be uh, fantastic to have him back and uh, if you don't mind let's take a look at what we've seen up until now Jamie I mean uh, even if uh, Mustafa comes back uh, at his very best um He's going to be in uh, Ali Frag. Uh, you know, you may disagree, but I, I, I just think he's had, he's far and away uh, uh, the number one uh, player in the world ever since he's returned from injury. Basically, uh, he's pretty much won everything uh, except for the one event uh, which Asal won there, the the tour finals. But uh, you know, despite the uh, the injury, you know, not having much time to have recovered, he's pretty much dominated, and and his style of play it's been extremely impressive. Uh, Diego's not that far behind, but he hasn't he hasn't really uh, shown that he has uh, what it takes to to beat uh, Ali regularly. So, how do you see uh, things uh, the way they've played out uh, up until now? <laughs> Um, well, yeah, no, I agree exactly with what you've said, Jerry. I mean, Farag has shown, you know, how good he is. We all knew anyway, but I, I didn't think he was going to struggle when he came back from injury, and he hasn't. But, you know, I, I, obviously his knee's an issue, but I, I, you could see from the very his very first outing, he was he was almost straight back to, to top form. Um, <clears throat> the way he plays, he just takes the ball earlier than anybody else. He volleys virtually everything if he doesn't volley it he half volleys it so he's he's putting that kind of pressure on I do think that some of the I think Mohammed has has worked out a way to play him I know Paul Cole did for a time but um there are ways of, of playing Farag to make him a lot less effective and very few from my, in my opinion very few players tap into that they just kind of play his game and along with him and they're never ever gonna gonna win but you know I think he's obviously a big favorite going into the US Open um I think that Mohammed can beat him, but he needs to uh, the run up needs to suit to suit Mohammed. He can't be having you know brutal five setters and then and then expect to to beat Farag the no. next day. I don't. No, think exactly. That happen, that, that's so. a, that's what happens with Mohammed, isn't it? But yeah, in terms of Ali, I mean, you're a student of the game, uh, unlike you know, unlike many people, and uh, Ali just sort of reminds me of. Uh, you know, not not exactly in in you know stylistically, but just a, a, the cerebral aspect of his game and and the way he moves and the way he he's able to place the ball. He reminds me a lot of a, like a, a Jan Shere Khan in a way, just the way he places the ball around the court, the way he moves around so effortlessly and plays uh, tremendous shots from even uh, you know the most awkward uh, situations. Wouldn't you agree? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think he, you know, no one moves as well currently. Well, I think obviously Mustafa's. I think Mustafa has yeah. got the best qualities all round. But take him aside just for just for now. I think that that Ali Farag obviously his, his anticipation is phenomenal as well. I mean, he he can read the game. Just you know, it is incredible watching watching him do his stuff. But um, I don't I don't know. I think he he doesn't he's. Technically, his backhand is kind of very low prep and he kind of places the ball and just sort of drops it in. There's not a lot of, he doesn't come down on it. So he, he hasn't got a really, a really powerful, stunning drive on his backhand. And I think, I think players could, can, can get on that really and play him up that backhand side a little bit more. But I think, yeah, I think you can't argue with the stats really and the fact that he's, you know, what he's done. So, you know, even though I do find my, you know, I've got nothing against the guy, but I do find myself, 
usually supported his opponents whoever it might be. <laughs> yeah. Unless it's to the less historic moment, of course. But yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean I, I've come to like uh, Ali uh, a lot more uh, over the last couple of years. He I mean uh, I just like the way he plays. I like his style uh of play uh he play uh, i think he's quite unique i mean uh you'll, you'll agree with this i mean there, there's no one out there he he's like a saul in a way there's no one that plays like a saul there's no one that plays uh like ali ali does things that no one else can do Saul can do things that no one else can do i think that in the, in that way they're they're quite similar yeah <clears throat> yeah i think um Asal is definitely the real deal. He's he's not really got any weaknesses and he can only get better. Um, he, he doesn't, you know, really sh tactically could probably be a, a bit more switched on, which I think will will happen in time yeah. when he get, you know, with experience. Well, that, that, yeah, exactly. That that that's kind of where he where he's uh, where he, I guess you could say he's weak. It might yeah. be cerebral, the 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 tactical part, and I guess that yeah. plays into you know all the issues that he's having. With the game, if he could slow it down a little bit, maybe in his head, and sort of be more patient and calm and not get—I think you know—with that hand thing, right? When he when he grabbed uh, yeah. as his hand, that that was more sort of that was an aggressive sort of action. You know, he he must have felt, <laughs> you know, there was a bit of anger there, right? Yeah. And uh, you know, if he if he you know there was no need for it, was there? No, I mean I've not, like I said, I've not, I've not fixated over it. After I first saw it, I probably only watched it one more time, one more time after that. So because I knew they were, mm. the, you know, the enemies were going to be feasting on it, so I didn't really want to get too involved with it. But yeah, I mean, he's a young guy. He's got a, a lot of a lot of adrenaline must have been pumping through his body after everything that's happened. He's a football. He's a big football fan. I mean, you know, you, <clears throat> you see football and. They're, um, you know, tackling each other and, and there's a lot of physicality. And I guess he kind of brings, you can see with his celebrations as well, he does bring that kind of that kind of thing, uh, you know, into squash, which I think is a really, really good thing. But obviously, mm. if if it spills over and there's li little incidents like that, that does need sorting out. I've never, ever once thought that, you know, been an advocate for foul play or anything bad. You know, as a player myself, you know, I've always been a fair player. I've, I've seen plenty of people who aren't yeah but i've always been a fair player and and that's what we want to see but we we also want to see you know a, a lot of passion and i guess i guess you are going to see a little a little bit of a spillover now and again from not just from a sal from from other players as well and as long as it's nipped in the bud and it's dealt with sensibly and that no one's hysterical about it then i think you know i think we'll be okay yeah, yeah, definitely, one hundred percent. Now, the the last time, uh, Jamie, you came on, uh, you had a song for us. It was uh, the 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 second of uh, the Mohammed El Sherbagi song, and it, it was absolutely amazing. I might have to dig that one up and and uh, insert it here uh, at this point in the podcast. But uh, the Beast has produced some incredible squash uh, already this season. Maybe he hasn't, uh, you know, he he hasn't won the big tournaments uh, over the last little while. But uh, I mean, that match that he had. Uh, I think it was Qatar, yeah. When he uh, the the five game thriller over uh, another uh, probably my favorite player on tour, who you know besides Asal or or Farag is uh, Yusuf Ibrahim. I mean that was from from point one to the the very last point in the fifth, electrifying squash. You don't get it. it it's not doesn't get any better than that. And I think I posted on Twitter or something that that should be the. You know that should be the the showcase uh, video there. The highlights of that should be there for for the Olympic. 
Oh, I mean, that, that match, Jerry. I mean, I just, you know, I get emotionally involved when Mohammed's playing because he's somebody that I've made a, a big connection with <clears throat> over the years. And, um, you know, it was to see him come through that because it was his worst nightmare on the very court where, you know, Abraham has beaten him before and it could have happened again. And what he did that in that game to push himself through and win was just remarkable. And then I did, I wasn't even going to watch him the next day because I thought he's going to have nothing left. And then <laughs> unbelievably, he could have even won that one as well. He was you should know himself. better. <laughs> I mean, it was just, and then, but then again, you see, I thought he was going to go down three nil because he wouldn't have anything left, but he dragged himself through and found a way. And then you start thinking, could he possibly do it? And it was just kind of snuffed out at the end. So I was, I was a bit broken after that, Jerry, to be honest. But yeah, going back to the Abraham match, I think that was, I just had everything, everything that you want to, you want to talk about squash in a positive way. That game had it. It had, it, you know, it wasn't too free flowing because, you know, robotic well, squash where there's no yeah. incidents doesn't do anything <laughs> for me or, or most people, you know, contrary to what a lot of the people say, you know, it really doesn't. But if you watch that game, it just had everything, absolutely everything. And uh, it was like you say, it was a, um, a really good example, really, of what we, what, what, what grabs us about the game, why we're here talking about it now, I guess. Yeah, Ibrahim, uh, Yusuf, uh, I've spoken to him a few times. And uh, I mean, he's a guy uh, ever since he sort of burst onto the scene maybe two years ago when he you know, just finished up there at Yale, I think. Uh, it was a Princeton, uh, Yale or Princeton. Um, but anyways, uh, he's uh, an electrifying player. And just about every top level match, it turns out, to be a match that you wouldn't want to miss. And Mohammed, obviously El Shabagi plays a lot like that. They're both like that in the, in the same way they play different brands of squash, but uh, equally uh, electrifying stuff. But he's a young guy. I think, uh, you know, if he can stay healthy and get a few big, bigger wins. Uh, I mean, he, he has a, you know, he has, he's had uh, Mohammed's number over the years, but he struggled uh, to get big wins over some other guys out there, but he has the ability, I think. I think so, yeah. I mean, he's, he reminds me, a, a lot of lefties, well, not a lot, but I, I've played lefties before who who have resembled Ibrahim. They've been, you know, they, they've been fairly stocky, but they've been unbelievably skillful on that left side particularly and just seem to be able to second-guess everything you do and can play winners from virtually anywhere. So mm. we're always told as squash players, you know, you need to sort of be playing more percentages if you're going to, make it and then you come up against somebody like that and get wiped out <clears throat> and they're playing this kind of squash that you've been told not to play and you're thinking shit you know this is not how it should should play out and and that does worry me slightly I think he's capable of of beating anybody in a one-off game but whether he could put tournament wins together one after another with that kind of game does does kind of you know I, I've not seen anybody else do that so uh, but he's he's a brilliant player to have in the mix, and I just hope he he he's there and he does he is featuring in the in the latter stages. But was he was he injured for a long time, Jerry? Yeah, he had uh, I think it was a similar was a, a knee issue that uh, was it the knee I think it was his knee uh, similar to what uh, Abu Elgar had, and maybe a little bit similar to maybe what Ali was suffering from. Right. Okay. So. Yeah. He's done particularly well. Yeah, but, but the problem was, and I think, uh, yeah, I was speaking to Omar Abdulaziz. I think uh, I think he's coaching him, and um, he was saying that he played through the injury and played uh, a lot of tournaments with, uh, you know, with the help of painkillers 
and he was just, he was very stubborn and, and he wouldn't uh, go for the, the surgery or the necessary rest right. that he was supposed to take. But uh, who, are, I mean, there's some right now, I mean, we've got sort of the usual suspects up there. Uh, you know, Joel Makin's made a, some inroads. Uh, Tarek Moman's played okay. Uh, you know, Miguel's hanging in there. Uh, obviously, Diego is one of the guys you don't – I mean, he he's, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, watching squash and watching it being played beautifully, uh, you you know, he's the guy you want to watch. It's so smooth, him and Gawad. Uh, so who are the the guys that you see that are up and coming, maybe even some some young British guys? Uh, what do you think of, of guys like uh, Charlie Lee and uh, Curtis Malik? Do you think, uh, or, or amongst those guys, do you think uh, there's a chance that they can make uh, some inroads into the top 10? You know what, Jerry? I'm, I, I, I couldn't say, really. I mean, I, I don't. I've not seen them play enough. I, I, all I do know is that I'd love them to. But um, I've, Charlie's started to break through. I've seen him a few times on Squash TV. So when you, when when that happens, you know they're doing they're doing well. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> hopefully that will happen. Curtis, I've seen play um, close up, and he's a, he's a great player. He's got a really good technique. Like the, I like everything about his game. So yeah, I mean, I, I, hopefully that will happen, and we're going to see those those guys coming through and 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 competing at the top level. And Pat Rooney as well. Mm. Um, so, I, but I, I'm I really not. I'm not really qualified to say because I've not seen them play enough, to be honest. Yeah, I'm but, in the same boat. I mean, I I, just, I see the results, and I've seen uh, Charlie's. Uh, he's had a couple of uh, decent wins over the last couple of years, but nothing. You know, they're a bit sort of one offish kind of things yeah charlie charlie was with rob owen for a long time and yeah. but he, he he i might be wrong i think i think he was injured for he, he had a really bad injury and it was always very frustrating because he couldn't get enough um enough time when he was fit to really put any any results together but obviously that must have cleared up now and he's really come seems to have really come through so i'm really pleased pleased that's happened because you know, when someone gets a bad injury, you, you never know, do you? You never know if that can that can completely derail them. But doesn't seem to have done because he's last time I saw him play, he was he was seemed to be moving really, really well. So good. Yeah, I know. Uh, when I had Rob on last time, I think we spoke a little bit about Charlie, and he was he spoke really uh, very highly of him and thought that he yeah. had a bright future. So if Rob says so, then it's <laughs> pretty much uh, going to happen. Uh, I would say so. Yeah, Rob's not wrong <laughs> about a lot of things. No, no, now, now, somewhat. Uh, just in terms of going back uh, and uh, talking about stuff that you like to uh, to put out there on squash stories. Uh, I had Kamar uh, Zaman on on the podcast uh, about a year and a half or so ago, and uh, I think I posted it, mentioned it on on one of the threads recently. That it's definitely uh, that episode is in the top five of all of the episodes that I've yeah. had. And it, it was from start to finish. I mean, he couldn't have been classier he couldn't have been funnier he couldn't have been uh, more anecdotal just a absolute legend uh, uh and i've and i was just you know buzzing for for weeks after that podcast i think the funniest thing or the best thing he was we were talking about uh pakistan's struggles and uh, particularly now with the young juniors and he's been working with them and what he said was uh when he uh, you know worked the frustration behind it he summed it up as uh you know, we uh, we want champions of squash, not champions of net. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It, he's such he's such a funny, funny guy. 
come as a man. I mean, he's very, very, very dry wit and uh, obviously a massively talented player. And that combination when he was a player was just box office. We talk about box office. It was unique. It really was. Jonah would would be able to tell the best stories, I would have thought. But, you know, mixed in with that ultra serious, you know, competitive nature was was this real, real uh, deadpan humour, which, you know, you can, like you say on your interview, it's there. It's, it's you know, it's there in all its glory. It's superb. Yeah. And you, uh, I mean, you have a sort of a, clo- obviously you, you've met Kamar and you have a sort of a close connection with him. Where does that uh, stem from? Because I know, I think it was back when you, you were playing at a, at a high level and, and you got to, to meet him at, at an event. Is it, am I, no, I've never, I've, never, I've never actually met him face to face. What happened, Jerry was, I was playing, um, it must've been the early nineties when the British open was, in Cardiff, I think the qualifying rounds were in Cardiff, and I, I got through a round or two and ended up playing Mansour Zaman, who was oh, Kamar's, okay. who is Kamar's son, and right. Kamar was his coach. So I, I turn up to play, and I'm, pl- I'm already feeling a bit daunted. Mansour Zaman was my opponent, and then there on the balcony is my all-time hero, or one of my all-time heroes, Kamar Zaman. So it was, a, it was kind of a bit of a it was it was a bit surreal, really. But yeah, um, yeah. How, how were so you I feeling? Like, like, did, did, because he did you have the jitters him. going on to the core. You must have been pretty nervous then. Well, can you imagine that, Jerry? I mean, I, I didn't even really know who I was playing until I got to the core. I'd not, I, I didn't know who got through, and then all of a sudden, I'm faced with this scenario. So I just played. I just kind of kept cool and bluffed it out really like I play people like that every day of the week. But um, <laughs> I, I must admit, I did get chopped. So uh, maybe I was, maybe that's my excuse. Maybe I was too overawed with the nerves, Jerry. That's why I lost. Yeah. It wasn't to do him. I get my squad. How how talented was Mansoor? I mean, he, he, he got to a pretty decent level, but I I saw him play a few times and the guy, I mean, he has incredible hands, a lot like Shahid Zaman, actually incredible hands. So quick around the court. Um, it's unfortunate. I'm not sure, you know, I'm sure he could have achieved a bit more maybe with the right uh, team behind him. But yeah. don't really know. I don't really know his story, but I, I remember he was only fairly young when I played him, um, yeah. but he was very, very talented. Like you say, he's a lefty um, yeah. as well, but he was, you know, he was hitting winners from all over the place. And <laughs> if he yeah. did go wrong, he looked, he looked up at his dad who just, sort of in you know gave him a few instruct simple instructions and he was off again so it's being terrorized by the royalty of squash it was um it was surreal but it was very very special and since obviously when squash stories started to get quite big i i uh, was in touch with mansoor and i identified myself and I, whether he remembered playing me or not i don't know but um yeah and then he, obviously he, he I pops up every now and then, doesn't he, on squash stories? Yeah, see? he does. Yeah, yeah, no, he does. He does. He does. Very, very talented player. I think he got. Oh God, yeah. I think he got to about eleven in the world. I think. Yeah, um, he won several PSA events, and uh, yeah, I know when I think he lost to in in the Asian Games. He lost Ong Bang Hee in the gold medal match, and I was there for that. It was it was a great match. Oh wow. Yeah. Right. Uh, so I didn't know that. Yes, yeah, so we, you know, he he had a, a really good career um, by the sounds of it. But I, I don't. I've searched around, but I can't find any footage on in the archives of him playing any proper matches, any full matches. But I mean, I'd love to if anybody's got 
you know, any, uh, you know, access to any. I'd certainly put it up on squash stories if I could get yeah, hold yeah. of it. It just it sort of just came to to mind uh, during the uh, the Kemar uh, podcast. I think it was something like uh, if you have chance to go, if you have the chance to go for the nick, go for the nick. If you hit the tin, go for the nick again and again and again. So I'm sure you you had a lot of that, right? During during that match against uh, Monsor. Yeah, I can't. I honestly can't remember, Jerry. I was too fixated by the fact that I'd only brought one racket and the strings went in the warm up, and I had to lend somebody else's racket to play. Okay. So I was kind of like, I had this, it was a different grip and a different, completely different feel. I mean, I still wonder how I could have arrived at a tournament like that in that sort of condition. But anyway. J, JP uh, yeah. was known. JP was known for doing that. He forgot his shoes. I think was it at in Hong yeah, Kong J, or US J, Open? JP, JP was a good squash player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't sell yourself short, Jamie. I saw that that last video you put out about. I think you were hitting four, forehand cross court nicks. Was it? Was that you? Oh, that was me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you were looking pretty good. You didn't have to move around the court to hit those, but uh, exactly that's it. I think I think that's where I'm going to be from now on, just doing static exercises. But I mean, the sort of work that I do with um, my son um, is pretty much, you know, feeding in straight lines, and I don't have to move that much. And we can. We, it's amazing when you when you 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 haven't got a lot of options. You start thinking. Away, ways around it and we've kind of invented qu quite a lot of really useful exercises on the back of that so it's it's not you know being able to move around the court's not everything jerry when you when you you know if you think about it but um when you're coaching of course but um obviously it's uh it, it does limit me when it comes to actually playing anybody so i think like i say i think i'm going to be uh just a a, a spectator from now on well, uh, keep it going with your son. I mean, that sound that bodes well, and that'll be exciting. Uh, you know, you can live seriously yeah. on the squash court through through him, right? Definitely, yeah. I'm I'm really yeah, I'm enjoying watching him playing for the first time ever. Normally, it's kind of I'm that nervous watching him. It's not not very pleasure pleasurable experience, but um, he's really he's really it's for the first time. I think. I mean, I've been coaching him for a while now, but. He's actually, for the first time, really enjoying it himself, and he's really got the bug. And he's sort of um, so that yeah, it's, and he's playing some great squash. He's technically really good, mm. you know. So, so just see how far he can go. It's um, it's going to be. He's got a heavy workload with his uni stuff, but um, I think he can. I think he can get to a level where he's, you know, certainly play pushing good Div One players. So I think we'll we'll see where that goes. Brilliant. How old is he now, uh, James? He's twenty. He's not young anymore. He's 22, 23. 22. Okay. Well, still, I mean, uh, you got guys like Joey Barrington who uh, sort of got back into the game at an older Joey? Age. Joey who? <laughs> <laughs> Only kidding. Um, yeah, no, Joey. Exactly. That's it. That's what Joey's story is unbelievable, really. Yeah, yeah. That he got to the level he got to with such a long time of not playing. I mean, fabulous, really. Fabulous yeah. achievement. Yeah, one hundred percent. Well, Jamie, did we? Uh, is there anything you want to uh, to promote there? Anything? Uh, any you know besides the uh, the member of the year? I I put in my uh, my two cents worth there. Francis, uh, uh, keep him in the back of your mind. He's well deserving and uh, long overdue, in my opinion. Yeah, well, you know, it's take I take everything on board, but you know, I tend to. I tend to make that decision. Um, and and, and his contributions are subtle, and you got to look at that, right? Yeah, but is it enough for member of the year, Jerry? That's what you've got to ask yourself, as subtle as it might be. I mean, you know, 
we've we've got we we need to consider. There's a lot of factors involved, and obviously, <laughs> gift gifts are gifts gift and gift posting is is a limited skill. Mm. Um, as valuable as it as it is, you know. So, well, but I, he's definitely going to be in in the reckoning. It's got to um, be in the conversation. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have yeah. him on, and I'm going to get him to uh, sort of uh, flesh out exactly what's what's behind the gif. Uh, the gifting on uh, squash. Yeah, you, yeah. Well, that, yeah, that can be your little project, Jerry. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you can't have him on a podcast because he just posts the gif, wouldn't he? So, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That, that'd be interesting. That, that'd be a new form of podcasting. You uh, could describe it. You've got to describe it to the viewers. Yeah, that's yeah, that. yeah, Have him See on. That? Ask ask him a few questions, make a few comments, and then just uh, it would be like a one of those YouTube podcasts, and every. Every response would be a gif, right? Jerry, it could be your most popular podcast ever. It could it could beat the top one. It could be know. it could be it could beat out JP. Yeah, mm. it could. It could. I think I think <laughs> there was a there was a there was a thread a while ago where it came up about about Essan doing another one or Ishan oh, doing yeah, another oh, one. For sure. Well then we'll we'll have Essan on, we'll have uh Oliver, maybe James Ledner. Uh could, could James absolutely could you could yeah. you do something where there were multiple guests? Yeah, we could. We, I mean, that that could be uh, an episode in and of itself. Uh, the squash stories, uh, member yeah. of year, uh, sort of like like one of those debates that they have for the U.S. presidential uh, election. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely, you could get, yeah, the, yeah, there get the, we the go. characters on Jerry, and, and there we go. We'll, yeah, we'll we'll get on all the ca- all the all the big names from squash stories. You you send me the list, and I'll reach out. Okay. I think you. I think you. You should choose Jerry. You you know them so. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, I'll do that. Jamie, uh, absolutely. Uh, I think you hit this one out of the park. Uh, really <laughs> appreciate it. And, uh, you know, if there is a third version of the Shore Baggy uh, uh, song series, uh, please send it along so I can uh, add it to the, the beginning of this podcast. Right. Will do. Promise. Okay. Take care, sir. Cheers, Jerry. Thank you very much. Well, that was a lot of fun with Jamie. Many thanks to him. A lot to a lot of fun talking uh, all sorts of stuff, especially the uh, the assault stuff, which uh, we get a bit passionate about there on Squash Stories, and that played out here uh, today. And also the Kamar Zaman uh, anecdotes there. Jamie uh, having had to play his son at the uh, I guess did he say the British Open qualifying back in '91? Uh, and I've seen Monsur play a few times, and any of you who seen him play an absolute talent with the racket his movement was exceptional uh definitely uh should have uh, reached a bit higher than his rank than his highest ever ranking which was i think around 11 in the world but he won several psa events and just one of these guys one of these box office players who always uh win or lose did something special on the court he was fantastic to watch and uh, i'm sure uh, jamie had a good laugh out there when he had to uh, play him in that next round of qualifying but uh, really enjoyed catching up with jamie and really enjoyed uh, hopefully catching up with all of you we've got a, another episode coming up very soon nick matthew coming on he's going to help me preview the u.s open and uh, we've got several other episodes in the works as well many thanks to all of you over the years for uh, for all of your support and we're going to be coming strong for the next uh, for this season going forward so keep your eyes open I'll be dropping uh, episodes uh, at least once every other week so stay tuned for all of that many thanks for your time all the best with your squash and we'll be talking to you very soon with Nick Matthew coming up at the end of the week 
Goodbye now.